Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Yay! Are you that excited? I hope so. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John, John chapter 13, as we continue our series. We're going to jump back into our series on Joyful Church. Um, If you missed it, our theme for this year is about living a joyful life. And uh, and for four weeks here, we are walking through what it means um, to be a joyful church. And this morning, we're going to look at joyful service in John chapter 13. Before we do that, as you're turning, just want to give you a few updates. Um, First one to let you know, Marie Louise Christopher was in the hospital uh, earlier this week. She's back now in Concordia and getting some medical care there. And so you can pray for her and pray for her family as uh, um, I went and saw her earlier this week and just really weak and really tired. And um, just pray for Marie Louise, dear, dear woman of God. Um, Bernie is recovering well from his um, double bypass surgery and actually stopped by here uh, on Friday at doctor's visits. So it was really neat to see him two weeks later after having his heart taken out of him and set on and worked on like two weeks later, he showed up here and, and visited with us, which is really, really awesome. Um, a lot of other people with some other surgeries were thankful so far from all that I've heard people are recuperating and recovering. Um, so just keep, uh, keep looking if you would in your eat, email each week for those updates and so that way you can continue to keep praying for them as well. Um, The last two Sundays we've had uh, what we call missions focus. Um, We try to do that twice each year, kind of keep missions in front of us. If you receive the emails, you also, um, our weekly emails on Friday, you also got an explanation of faith promise. And uh, some of you are new. Faith promise is the way that we support our missionaries. And so it's the financial aspect of supporting our missionaries. Uh, And so our faith promise giving has been down um, these last really three years. And so I just want to encourage you as you think about giving, uh, we don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul, uh, meaning uh, we want you to give of your normal tithe. uh, And as God lays it on your heart, faith promise is to give above out of faith to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to trust that you're going to provide uh, this. And so we've seen God work in awesome ways. And, uh, and so I would just challenge you and encourage you uh, to pray about that, to pray about your involvement with faith promise missions and how we support our missionaries uh, financially. And so um, I meant to talk about that, but that's been in your bulletin, uh, your email bulletin each week. So please read it, go back and read it if you, if you fail to. And um, if you have questions, don't hesitate to ask. Thanks, Aaron. Um, Andrew read Psalm 100 this morning and it was in NIV and that scared me because I put all the verses in because then I'd like, wait, I used the ESV and I was scared all of a sudden that John 13 was going to be put in an NIV and then you were going to be looking at it and I was going to be reading it from two different versions, which it's not a bad thing, but it's just, it makes it a little bit harder to follow along, but I just got the thumbs up. So Aaron, thank you. I appreciate that. When we think about joyful service, uh, it took me back to an opportunity that, that I 
took uh, years ago, and I shared about Marie Louise. I think she's 91, 90, she's 90 something. Um, she's, she is well seasoned in her life. Let me say that. And years ago, uh, I remember doing on a Wednesday night, we still had prayer meeting. I remember uh, doing a foot washing and we were in here and I remember being, having everybody come in the front row and, uh, and I uh, shared a little bit uh, of, a, of a Bible lesson. And then I proceeded to um, want to wash the feet of our people that were here that night. And, uh, and I thought about doing that today as you walked in, but I knew you probably wouldn't like that. And uh, so I refrained from doing that. But it was really neat because what we're going to read here in John chapter 13, um, Marie Louise pretty much said word for word that same idea like, Pastor, you can't wash my feet. And I said, Marie Louise, what's wrong? Like, I don't, are you injured? Are you hurt? Do you have like, you know, a sore or something? She's like, no, you just can't wash my feet. And I said, why? And she said, because you're my pastor. And, 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 and she just started crying. And she's like, I'm not worthy to have you wash my feet. And that's a picture that stuck with me for all these years. And, and it's an aspect of service. I, I'm no different than her. And that's what I got to talk with her and show her. Um, and, and we shared that evening. And we're going to see it in this text of John chapter 13. And I, I, I want us to be able to think through, as we think of service and joyful service, what does that look like? And as we make decisions, okay, because really service is decision making. We, we, we decide to serve or we don't decide to serve. And, and part of what the world tells us is serving is part of uh, making yourself feel satisfied or feeling fulfilled. And while there is an aspect of that, that I think God has given us gifts and that he desires for us to use, I think we must be very, very careful to use that as the only motivation um, to serve people. Because quite honestly, there are many times that I don't feel like serving. I, I, I don't want to serve or I am not feeling satisfied or fulfilled in serving. And yet there's times that I very much feel satisfied. The other aspect that I just want to encourage you to think about as we start here this morning is, is how much do you serve because it's comfortable? You're willing to serve when it's comfortable. It's easy to serve when it's comfortable, right? It's easy to serve when the people around you are nice and kind. It's easy when it works in your schedule. But as I read the word of God, part of the joyful service that God calls us to as followers of Christ does not hinge on our comfort. And so as we look at the decision-making of service and serving, serving our God and serving others, these are two things that I just wanted to bring to our forefront because oftentimes these will, will help us in our decision-making. And I just want to challenge you. I don't think that that should be the main reason why we serve. 
It shouldn't be because, oh, this is going to help me feel better about myself. Or this shouldn't be just because it's easy to do or that I'm comfortable. So I'm not going to do the things that are not comfortable. It, it kind of goes along with our status. And, and, and this text is going to show us this. But in our world, who does what? Right? Think about that. In your world, who does? Who serves in the areas that are required? And does that hinge upon who they are and their status? Let me share with you an example, a very personal example. Years ago, my dad, uh, my mom and dad were always very involved in our church in Norton Baptist. And, uh, and, and my dad served in the Iwana clubs. He loved kids. That's probably where I got some of my love for kids from. Uh, he was our Awana commander and uh, did game time. I remember him uh, rolling up a bunch of newspaper and putting uh, masking tape around it and made snowballs so that we could, I, I think we made 200 of them one time. And, uh, and so I got a lot of my ideas and a lot of my, my creativity from my dad. And, and he had a lot of love and he had a lot of passion uh, for the church and he served faithfully. And uh, he was on the trustee board and served there. Um, and, and there was a Sunday. Uh, and the only reason why I know all this, because I was an eavesdropper. And so I confess, yes, I sinned. I was listening to my parents uh, in the other room while they were talking. But um, one day my dad came home from church and he was really upset. And I could tell that he was upset. And, and part of this idea of service um, uh, just struck me as, as I prepared. And, and so my dad um, was working, and they were, the guys were working to, to put together um, ushers to serve. And so to, to come in and to take the offering. And, uh, and one of the gentlemen said, um, hey, what about, what about Tom? What about this guy? And, and the other gentleman said, no, because he doesn't have a tie and a jacket on. And so my dad took great offense to that. And from that point on, my dad never wore a tie or a jacket to church again. The first time I saw that was at my wedding where he would wear a tie and jacket because we told him he had to. So, um, but my dad had this, this deep rootedness that said service isn't about a status Service isn't about making sure that you have all the externals just right to make sure that you had a tie and a jacket on to do, to, to do what? To pass, to pass the offering plate? That didn't, that, that, that didn't make it efficient enough or right enough? So I share that because it happens easily in our mind and sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes it's not as blatant as that. And, and, and so when we think of service... Um, and, and I've even been told this by a lot of outsiders outside of the church of what only I can do because I'm a minister. I'm known, I've, I'm known in our little cul-de-sac community as the minister, the minister and the minister's wife and the minister's children. And, you know, there's only so many things that we, we can do. And they say, well, hey, pastor, would you, would you please pray for us? Or some would even say, priest, would you pray for us? I'm like, sure, I'll pray for you. But do you know you can pray too? And so this idea of service and of joyful service, 
we, we have to be careful when, when we look at the motivation, our decision-making, but also the things that might just be right in the back of our head that we don't even, we're not even really aware of, but that we need to take note of. And part of that is the status of what or who makes you who you are and what you do. Do you see yourself with the ability to serve God in any way that he desires for you to do? Or do you see limits because you aren't a certain status or you aren't a certain way? Now, the exciting part. Let's dig into the word. But before we do that, would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. And we pray, Lord, as we read it, that you would help us to understand your word and understand you better. Help us to grab a glimpse of your heart, Lord, that it would change our thinking and change our mind and that you would draw us closer to you, Lord. Thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your continual work and sanctifying us, helping us to become more like your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would would have an outpouring here on this place because we know without your spirit's work in us, Lord, it, it's nothing that will last. And so we need your true working in our lives today. And so help us to see you better. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. John chapter 13, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 20. So if you would follow along with me, I would appreciate that. Thank you. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you, sh that you sh also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread 
has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. When we look at this, this is an awesome passage. Um, and, and, and Jesus coming with the first few verses tell us that, uh, that the Passover feast is coming, uh, which leads us to, again, the connection. And, and, and I just want to say this, and again, I, I want you to feel a little guilty because I'm sinful. But Friday night, man, we had an awesome time here. <laughs> we had a great Seder dinner. And if you missed it, you missed a good time. And let me encourage you, if you ever get an opportunity to do it again, regardless of if you've done it, all right, let me, this is the selfish part of me. Some of you say, well, I've done that before. Well, you know how many times I could say that with some of the things that I do? I've done that before. Don't do that. Don't do that. And some of you had other things to do, which was great. But part of the Seder dinner was that idea of helping us to understand the Passover meal and the connection of the fulfillment of the Messiah and how he fulfills what the, the symbolism of so much of the Passover meal, Jesus fulfills that. And so here's this, this concept that, that even uh, John is sharing here in the beginning part of this verse is, okay, it's leading up to the Passover meal. Who is Jesus? He is the Passover lamb who's going to be slain. He's going to die. And so you kind of see a connection here right off the beginning. The feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world and to the Father. Jesus knew his timing was coming very quickly. And the timing of that was centered around the Passover because he was going to die. He was going to be the, the one, the, the, the last, the forever sacrifice that was needed to take away the sins of the world. There was no longer going to need to be a required sacrifice over and over of, of sheep and lambs and bulls, uh, and goats. No, no more blood needed to be spilled because the blood of the great Passover lamb was spilled for each of us. So he knew that. Knowing this, he is gathered with his disciples, all right? And he, uh, John gives us an explanation of, of his perception of these men. And it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What an awesome, what an awesome idea and concept that, that even though there are these disciples, and, and we read about it in the Gospels, they loved Jesus, but they were, up, they were in the world. Uh, they were trying as they were navigating this whole new concept of following Jesus. Um, and they were just ordinary men who were trying to do that, that. That Jesus loved them even to the end. Which is amazing because it doesn't say that he loved 11 of them to the end. What does it say? He loved them to the end. It doesn't d differentiate out Judas. It doesn't say that Jesus didn't love Judas here. But other parts are going to very much single out Judas and his role of what's going to come. All right? Um, that is the same of what we read as Paul writes in Romans uh, about God's love for us. What can separate us from God's love? Neither height nor depth principalities nor things to come that nothing will separate God's love from us. He'll love us to the end. Isn't that awesome? 
And that give us great, uh, great joy. And it allows us to, to begin to think and to say, okay, what does this mean? As he's getting ready to show us this example of service, it should well in us a greater desire to, to serve him, to serve God and to serve others. Now, verse 2 gives us kind of the dark point now. And it says, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's um, son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God. John helps us to understand who Jesus is. He is truly the Son of God. He is truly God. God the Father had given him all things and yet we see over and over, Jesus' one main desire was to do what? It was to do the will of the Father. And so continually, he's asking and praying and seeking God out, God the Father, as he, as he goes away into the wilderness, as he goes to the mountain, as he gets away from all the people, he's continually seeking. We see that even in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying and, and, and the description of desiring to do the Father's will. That even though Satan is at work, Jesus is all about doing the will of the Father. Because why? Because God is greater. God has a plan. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. So here is Jesus. He is God. He is God's son. And with that description, he's going to get up from supper and he's going to take some action. So verse, uh, verse four says, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and he took a towel and he tied it around his waist. When he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So what we see here kind of is this first idea uh, of Jesus' service. And in verse, uh, verse 7, uh, actually verse 6, it says, When he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And just let me pause here. Like, was Peter the first one? Or was he like third or fourth? Uh, probably, and again, this is hypothetical, Hypothetically, Peter probably wasn't on the end, okay? He, he was probably somewhere in the middle, all right, because he had a closer association, a closer relationship with Jesus. And so Peter sees what Jesus is doing, right? So why is he asking this? As I read this, I thought, okay, if Peter was first, he can, do, he can ask this. He says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Like, okay, did you get up and wrap this towel around your waist and you got this basin of water because you're coming to wash my feet? Or, or is Peter like third or fourth down the line and he sees what Jesus is doing and then he asks this question, wait, Jesus, are you, are you going to wash my feet? We don't have clarity where Peter was in the line but again, I think as we think, as we look at the, the question and the answer, it helps us to see it isn't about what necessarily what Jesus is doing. There's a deeper thing that Peter is asking here. It's just not about the, the flesh of washing his feet. There's something deeper that Peter is wrestling with. 
And as he's wrestling with this, we ask this question too. Why serve? Why are we serving? And so we look at this and Peter says, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answers him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. What do you mean you don't understand? I'm washing your feet. What's not to understand if it's just the physical? Well, because there's something more important here than just washing feet. All right. He says, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Then Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. So the first idea and the concept about service as we look at joyfully serving or serving joyfully is this idea that sometimes, sometimes we may not understand why God would have us to serve or why God would have someone serving us. How many times have you fought against somebody serving you? I can raise my hand. And I think I've shared this story with a few people. A dear woman of God, Dorothy Lockler, one time uh, called me to her house years ago. Uh, she called me on a Tuesday and called me and said, Pastor, do you have a moment? I said, yeah. She said, could you come down and I'd love to meet with you. I have a couple things I want to go over with you. And I said, great. And she just lived a quarter mile down the road. And, and so I went in and met with her and she's like, Pastor, uh, you know I love you. And I said, yes, I, I love you too, Dorothy. And and, uh, and she said, I need to share something with you, just an observation uh, about who you are and something that I think would help you. And I said, okay, great, I, I'm open. And she's like, you are not a gracious receiver. You don't like receiving gifts or receiving thanks. And I said, okay, explain. And so we, we had about a half an hour conversation as we walked through that. And, uh, and it's something that, that she uh, challenged me with which is true and which is hard for me. I love giving. I, I really genuinely love serving. And some of you are like that. But for people to serve me, it's more of a challenge. For some of you, that's not your challenge. You're like, okay, go ahead. Yeah. You know, for me, it's like, no, I'll do it. And part of that's pride. All right. I know that. That's arrogance. And so she, she shared with me, she said, Pastor, when you don't graciously receive someone's giving to you or service or gift, you are stealing their joy. And that's something that has settled into me and where I try hard and I'm not perfect. I'm sorry uh, for those of you who have tried serving me and I failed in receiving that well. When we look at this aspect, Peter doesn't understand what Jesus is doing for him. And sometimes as God works in our lives, it's hard for us to understand what God is doing. As God is leading and moving in people, and even sometimes in us, as he calls us to serve, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And I want to tell you, that's okay. That's okay. And for those of you who are engineers, that's really difficult because you need to see it. And those of you who are not engineers, you may not understand what I'm saying to them, but you get it. Hopefully you get this idea and this understanding that, that sometimes as God calls us, we don't have to have all the facts laid out. We don't have to have it 100% clear. Part of joyfully serving God and serving in the church 
is living by faith in a close relationship with him so that we're in constant communion and listening to our God and to his word. And as he leads, we are willing to be faithful and to be obedient and to live by faith. Live by faith means that I don't always understand everything. And if God calls me and tells me to do this and I don't do it, then I'm being disobedient. And so I want to be obedient, but I need to also understand that sometimes it's just not going to make sense. And yet we can find hope and we can find reassurance that God will reveal it to us at a later time. As he says to Peter, listen, you don't understand now, but afterward, you'll get it. You'll get it. Next, we see in verses 8 through 10 that service, service is a tool that God uses to teach us. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Can, can I just pause? Can you just imagine saying that to Jesus first off? I mean, we see Jesus probably in a different light. He's walking with them and all this, but he's like, Jesus, you are not ever going to wash my feet. And, and, and again, it's this idea of not disrespect. I don't think this is out of disrespect. I think this is out of great, uh, greater respect and, and honor out of Peter. Peter sees Jesus as the son of God. He's already been asked that question. Who do you think that I am? And so Peter's like, listen, you are not going to wash my feet. Kind of like Marie Louise. And I am in no way in relation to Jesus. Okay. I'm not saying that. But we have this idea, and that's where the concept of, uh, of the status of people who are allowed to do or should be doing or should not be doing certain service things. And so here's Peter who's like, listen, you are never going to wash my feet. Notice Jesus' response to him. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Jesus doesn't just talk about his feet here. Notice he's not about washing his feet. It's about something deeper. It's about his heart. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Great analogy for today, right? right. You, you woke up this morning and when you look at it, give glory to God because that snow is a great picture of what Jesus has done with our sin. And what he's done in our life. And Jesus is trying to explain that to Peter. Like, listen, if I don't wash you, if I don't cleanse you, then you have no part in me. There's something deeper than just the physical washing of the feet here. It says, um, the one who has bathed. Um, so Simon Peter's response in verse 9 to that is, is he's going to say, Okay, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Meaning, okay, it's not just my feet that are dirty, but my hands and my head. Like, the head is where, where, where you are anointed, all right? So it's very symbolic. Uh, and so the cleaning that Peter is saying is, listen, I need cleansed. My hands need cleansed, not just my feet, and my head needs cleansed. And so... Jesus responds to that with this in verse 10. The one who has bathed does not need to wash. He's saying, listen, you've been clean. Not, not that you took a shower or you took a bath. But, but you've been clean because, 
because I've cleaned you. Your soul, your, your sins are forgiven. And he said, except for his feet. Now, there's some manuscripts that don't put this phrase in here. It doesn't change the text if we leave it in here or if we take it out. All right. Um, it just says, but is completely clean. If Jesus cleans us, we're clean. If we've been bathed by the blood of, the, of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, then we've been wiped clean. And, and while we need to continually come and examine our heart and our life, confessing our sin before a holy and perfect God so that our relationship stays close, that relationship will always be there because we've been clean. Meaning that once I'm a child of God, I can never, I can never be abandoned from that. My son, Zachary, will always be my son. All right, he's part of my blood. And regardless of what Zach does in the future, and God forbid that he goes crazy, he is a little crazy, but goes crazier and does crazy things out there, all right? Zach will always be my son, no, no matter, regardless of whatever actions and thoughts and deeds that he does. That's the picture of our God as he washes us, as he cleanses us, as he has purchased us, redeemed us. He's sanctified us. He's made us right before God. Jesus has done that because his blood was poured out for us on Calvary. And when we are his, we are completely clean, not because of the works of righteousness that we have done, but according to whose great mercy, God's great mercy that he has showed upon us. It's not that we will boast about our good works, but it's our faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. It's the work of Jesus that allows us to be washed clean. Sometimes we need our feet clean. And when we look at the context of this, sometimes we need our feet clean because God needs to continually teach us and show us his goodness. And that's part of the service. Service as we serve others and honor God through that, but part of others serving us and allowing them to serve us. And so service is the tool, is a tool that God uses to continually show us and to teach us. Verse 11. For he knew who was to betray him. And that is why he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus responds and we see a little bit of God's heart here. And, and I don't know about you, but it's hard sometimes to serve those who are cruel and mean. And I don't expect perfection from people, but sometimes when, when people are just mean, it's hard to serve them with a good and gracious and joyful heart, right? And here's Jesus, and we get a glimpse of God's heart here because Jesus understands and knows whose feet he is washing, his service isn't about treating the ones who are doing what's right and not, not bothering with the others or shunning them or turning them off. No, what we see here is the reminder of God's heart. Judas was unclean. He had been 
led by the devil, we see this in verse 2, the devil had put in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Judas was unclean, but yet Judas was still served. That cuts to our very core, at least for me. And I'm sure if you would look at your heart, there's times where you would have to agree as well. Where to serve those who are unclean or not right in our eyes or who have done filthy bad things according to our standards, it's really difficult, isn't it? Here's our example. Jesus, who washes the very feet of the one who will deny him and the one who has given him over to be crucified. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer, outer garments, he resumed his place. And he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Jesus wants them to now understand. He wants to teach them what he just did. It wasn't about the washing of the feet. It wasn't about just the action of that. It was the purpose behind it. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant or a bondservant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Service helps us continually examine our heart and to see if there's humility there. Because the truth is, as we walk the face of this earth and as God leads us in our relationship with him, he calls us to serve him. And part of that serving him is serving others. How is your heart when it comes to humility? Are you willing to, quote, clean the toilets? <laughs> it's not my favorite thing to do. My wife would attest to that. But there have been plenty of times where Pastor David and I have been called upon to go down the hallway for our great preschool and to grab the plunger and to help the little guys out. And we bring the little mop with the disinfectant and we clean it all up. We don't say, oh, that's not for us. Let us get somebody on the phone. I don't say that to puff us up. I'm just saying there are some things that we think that are too beneath us. That we're too great to do. And the act of Washing one's feet, getting the grime and the dust and the dirt 
off of somebody that you know they've walked. You know they're dirty. I wouldn't want somebody washing my feet. And you're all saying, yeah, I wouldn't want to wash your feet either. There are times that we think that there are certain acts of service or areas of service that don't fit us. And I just share that because I, I believe with all my heart that as we walk with God closer and closer in his word, seeking him and seeking his heart, seeking his face, there are going to be times that God is going to allow certain things to happen during your day and during your week that you may grow frustrated or that you will oppose because you think that is too beneath you. It happens to me, and I'm sure it happens to you. We see Jesus is here telling us that service is an act of humility. We also see here at the close of this, verses 17 through 20, Jesus says, I know, he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so we see here is service is not passive. All right. Service isn't just, hey, I, I want to joyfully serve, but I'm just going to sit back and wait until something appears. Actually, Jesus is telling them, listen, if you know about this, then you're going to do it. And that means you're going to be, you're going to be proactive and looking and seeking to do what I want you to do. And then he says this. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. So again he calls out Judas. Alright. But the scripture will be fulfilled. Jesus is now going to quote Psalm 41 verse 9. Psalm 41 verse 9. In the context. Shares about David. As he's, as he's crying out for God's deliverance. And then he shares about a friend who has literally, uh, figuratively, stabbed him in the back and his, who, be, who has betrayed David. And so here David is crying out to God for deliverance and for help. And Jesus is going to quote David here when he says this about the one who is not chosen. But the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Here is Judas who will eat bread with Jesus, who has been his friend and follower, who will ultimately turn on him. A fulfillment, again, of Scripture, of what Jesus does, and fulfilling the law and the prophets. Verse 19, I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Meaning Judas is going to betray me and I'm going to die. And I just want to tell you this now because when you think back to this time that we're spending together, you'll remember this and you'll know that my words are true. Because Jesus always speaks truth, right? God's word is always true. He can never lie. Verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. So this is Jesus saying this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, receives me. 
What's Jesus talking about? He's actually talking, I believe, about the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus will be, spent, will be sending the Spirit of God amongst his people. And if we receive the Spirit, then we receive the one who sent him. Who sent the Spirit? As we read Scripture, Jesus, the Son, sent the Spirit. And if we receive Jesus, we receive the one who sent him. And who do we receive? The Father. So we see a picture of the Trinity here. Even though you may not ever see the word Trinity or the triune God in Scripture, you see the description of God. And so in the midst of serving, Jesus is giving a picture and helps us to understand that the full Trinity of God is going to be involved in this action that is coming. It helps us remind us that the Spirit of God is at work in us. And we need to listen to the Spirit of God as he leads us and guides us. Again, service is not passive. It seeks to do the will and for the pleasure of God. As we seek to serve God serve by serving others and allowing others to serve us, we honor God. We actually bring pleasure to God as God works in us and through us. That should be our ultimate motivation. That's why when Paul says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Yes, eating, drinking, but also as you work, you're not working just to your slave master, to your boss. You're doing it unto God. And so as you serve and as we continue to look to serve joyfully, that joy is going to come out of, not of a desire of helping somebody feel better, not out of a desire just to say, oh, that person needs something, so I want to I do something good for them so that way they feel good or that I feel good. No, joy, true joy in serving God comes out of when I'm walking with God and he leads me and I'm obedient. And when I'm obedient to God and he calls me to serve, there is great joy in that because now the other false motivations are out of the way. They kind of get dissolved. I have clarity. So what we see here is uh, in this text is really an invitation to joyful service. And so as you maneuver and walk through your week, I would challenge you, encourage you, what does it look like for you to serve joyfully and to continue to look at this passage and look at the text? We aren't perfect like Jesus. We're going to have times where we, where we fall and where we bump our head and where we forget. But let's look at the goodness of our God who has washed us clean, who has given us hope of eternal life, who right now gives us the spirit of God that indwells you and I as followers of Jesus Christ to guide us and to direct us. The God of the universe is living inside of each of us and he desires to work through you. He desires that you would be willing and humble, that you would relinquish your own rights and your own willingness to do whatever you want. 
laying that down, when you lay that down, you can take great comfort and peace and say, God, whatever you have, would you just steer me towards it? And would you help me to see it and help me to be obedient? Help me to joyfully serve you and to do whatever you have. I'm excited to hear about how God's going to lead you this week. And I pray that you will pray and ask God to lead you to joyfully serve him. Because it's contagious, isn't it? When we start hearing about, hey, God did this and God was able to use me. Or, you know what, this person did this for me and it overwhelmed me with the grace of God. It was so awesome that they were willing to serve me like that. That's the body of Christ, and that's the joy of the church joining together. And as we share in the fellowship, in the sweetness of gathering, that we share of how God is leading us. And part of that leading is allowing him to use us in service. Don't think you have to have a status. Your status has already been punched. Your status is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are God's child. That's all you need. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the sacrifice that Christ gave on our behalf. When we think of his trial and how it was such a sham, how he was beaten and abused, Jesus was mocked and he was scorned. As he was stripped of his garments, Lord, stripped of his dignity and who he really was. And then he hung on a cross. We are here today not wearing our righteousness, but we get to wear the righteousness of Jesus. Because of your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. We've been loved even when we were enemies. Christ died for us. With all that Jesus went through, Lord, how quickly we can forget who we are serving and how we owe our lives as a living sacrifice. So help us, Lord. Help us to be mindful as we pursue you in a closer walk this week. Open our eyes and our heart and our ears as we open your word throughout this week. As we pray and meditate on your word, Lord, may we listen and may we be obedient to serve as you lead us. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you with joy, Lord. It's because of what Jesus has done. And because of the stamp that he's put on each of us as, as his children. We are a child of the king. What a pleasure it is to serve you, Lord. Help us to do it well this day and the week ahead. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.